Good afternoon. How's everybody doing? Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. This is, All right. This is my, <laughs> listen. Listen, I got two little kids at home. If I wanted to, you know, we got to get loud out here, okay? One more time. Come on. Come on. The senator's here. We're down here having a good time. Have a good All time right. Thank you. That's how we... That's how we do it back in Baltimore. That's how we do it. I don't know. I don't know how. We, this is our second year at Mako, so I'm trying to revitalize this thing. But uh, thank you guys for coming out this evening. Uh, it's been a blessing to be here. Uh, it's my second year at Mako. I want to do a couple housekeeping things before we get started, if you don't mind. Yeah, go for it. Um, I want to give a shout out to For All Seasons. Uh, they're one of my sponsors in the front row. They uh, help mental health and whatnot. They're doing great things at Eastern Shore. Definitely check them out. Zeke's Coffee, that's in Baltimore. They're another sponsor of mine. United Waste Central Maryland is another sponsor of mine. They're downstairs. Um, I'm losing Baltimore Peninsula, formerly Port Covington. I'll be doing live shows there all this year, once a month. So that come, please check that out. And WSI Maryland, WSI, WSI um, DMV, and they do Google search and things of that nature to get your, their websites up. So I need to give them some love before we start. But Welcome to the No Picks After Dark podcast. I'm your host, Aaron Dante. I'm so happy you guys to be here. Mr. U.S. Senator, how are you doing, sir? Aaron, it's great to be with you, although I feel a little underdressed. I got to get my tux. You know, <laughs> you know, I did an article for B-Mart magazine, and I said, hey, we definitely need to have, I want to dress up, I want to dress up more. I want to look good. You know, we were in the COVID for two years, and come on, we were looking a little You're bummy. looking, we looking very bummy. sharp. I, I, absolutely. I was, I was wearing sweats and hoodies for like two years. It was kind of weird, so... I wanted 2022, 2023. Let's get dressed up and go out again. Like let's let's look good. So that's why I got. I told you, I told your team was coming fresh tonight. I, I know. I look. I had to go shopping, but I couldn't find a good tux <laughs> like yours. <laughs> I appreciate you. I appreciate. It. So let's get you. Let's get started. Um, tell the audience some things that you're working on right now in the U.S. Senate. What's going on with you guys? Well, I'm working on a number of things in the United States Senate. Uh, you know, the last two years uh, when we had President Biden in the White House uh, and Democrats and majorities in the House and Senate, we passed a lot of good things, and we are working right now to implement this. Uh, we just passed the one-year anniversary of the passage of the Inflation Reduction Act. Uh, there are two big provisions in there that I worked on for years, and glad to have them over the finish line. Uh, one of them was to allow people to get a little bit of funding to make their homes more energy efficient. Nice. Because, you know, if you make your home energy efficient, it'll save you a lot of money over a long period of time, but the upfront costs can be considerable. So some people say, I'm not going to do it because I, I can't afford it at the beginning, even though I'm going to save a lot of money over the long run. So uh, under, the, affordable, uh, under the, in, the Inflation Reduction Act, we have now upfront rebates. Um, that people can use uh, for those early costs. We're pushing that out. Uh, the prescription drug costs are coming down for people on Medicare. I'm working right now on a bill called the We Paid Bill okay. to bring them down for all Americans. Um, we call it the We Paid Bill because we spend tens of billion dollars a year as Americans investing in research at places like the National Institutes of Health, which is in Maryland. It's a very important investment for healthcare. But we shouldn't have to pay twice, both as taxpayers on the research and then getting gouged in many cases uh, by some of the bigger pharmaceutical companies. So the We Paid bill will bring down prescription costs for everybody. So look, there's a whole lot going on. Uh, there's also a lot of trouble going on on Capitol Hill uh, right now. We can talk about that if you want. Um, hey, we're here. You know, we're here. We're well, here. here we are. So we are. look, I'm, I'm very nervous uh, that at the end of this fiscal year, uh, which is the end of September, 
Um, we, we could go into another shameful, unnecessary government shutdown. We don't need that as a country. Uh, and, uh, but right now there are a lot of voices, uh, especially in the House of Representatives, that are talking about that. So uh, we're working hard to avoid that. Uh, I'm also working on a number of foreign policy issues uh, right now with respect to uh, what's happening in China uh, and in Ukraine. Uh, but here at home, uh, we're working on a lot of these uh, pocketbook issues. Okay, I like I like a little bit. So you talked about um, a couple things, but I want to get against the FBI headquarters. Why is that so important for the state of Maryland, and what could that do for our economy going forward? Look, it's important for the FBI. It's important for the country. It's important for Maryland, right? So, uh, the current FBI headquarters um, in downtown DC is falling apart. I mean, literally, the ceilings are collapsing. Everybody agrees that we need a new headquarters for the FBI. Um, the question is where? Um, and Maryland has two sites in Prince George's County. And they, number one, will meet the mission of the FBI. Uh, and the FBI and the GSA, the General Services Administration, have, have said they meet the mission. They've come down to three sites, one in Virginia, Springfield, two in Prince George's County, Maryland. Mm -hmm. All of them meet the mission requirements of the FBI. So why Maryland? Number one, uh, the Maryland sites are a lot less costly to the taxpayer, like by over a billion dollars, because the sites in Virginia have existing buildings on them, and it will be costly to the taxpayer to have to move those buildings off in order to build the new FBI headquarters there. Second, President Biden has done a, a, made a really important statement. Um, about the need to make sure we have an all-of-government approach uh, to investing federal taxpayer dollars in a more equitable way, in a way that we build uh, communities that have often been left behind. And if you look at the Washington, D.C. area, um, counties like Fairfax County, Virginia, uh, and Montgomery County, Maryland, have done very well when it comes to uh, new federal office buildings. Prince George's County, uh, now a majority black uh, community, um, has gotten a lot of warehouses, uh, but they haven't gotten this kind of big national federal office investment. And so as part of our effort uh, to make sure we invest federal dollars in a way to address historical inequities, uh, we need to put the FBI building there. So it's a better deal for the taxpayer, and it also addresses this important priority that the president has laid out, and it meets the mission of the FBI. So. Uh, that is why this is those, the Prince George's County should be the home for the next uh, FBI. All right, so we're going to keep on that. We're going to keep on that theme. We're going to talk about infrastructure. Let's talk about how we the Biden has the infrastructure plan, and we're trying to rebuild the red line. Um, we see what's going on with the purple line. We see what's going on with that. But um, I will give you a quick background story. You don't know this, but I uh, worked on the red line in 2014. Uh, I was one of the lucky people who didn't get laid off. I got accepted to do another job to work on the purple line at that point in my career. And I, when I announced when I came back, I was very excited, but cautious and optimistic. We threw away a billion dollars. Not, not we, but the person who was in charge sent back a billion dollars. I think people don't understand, like, that's a, that's a lot of money. <laughs> I don't care who, how you cut it, but how do you think we can get that trust back in those communities that, again, you know the highway to nowhere. You talk about infrastructure, talk about these type of things. How do we get, especially African-Americans who have lost faith in us as a government and saying, hey, what are we going to do? So what are your thoughts on the infrastructure bill? Will we have a chance to get the money coming back to the states, come back to Maryland? What are your thoughts, sir? 
Well, Aaron, you're absolutely right. Um, it was a huge blow to Maryland and to Baltimore City uh, when our former governor uh, pulled the plug on the red line. Uh, the red line planning had been going on for decades. Yes. Uh, and the federal delegation, um, Maryland's federal delegation, had worked together uh, to secure the federal funds, which, as you said, was over $1 billion. Uh, and so when Governor Hogan pulled the plug on the red line, uh, he kissed goodbye a billion dollars in federal investment, mm -hmm. and he really undermined an important opportunity for economic development and opportunity in Baltimore City to bring people together uh, so people could get to and from work more easily, to and from other uh, needs in their daily lives. Uh, so uh, when we, it came time to pass the infrastructure modernization bill just a few years ago uh, under President Biden's leadership, uh, Senator Cardin and I uh, worked very hard to include a number of provisions in that bill uh, to help Maryland and to help Baltimore City. And one of the provisions we added was to say, just because a state had uh, turned back federal dollars for a major transit program at one point in time does not mean that project has to go to the end of the line. Uh, it has to be given some sense of uh, priority recognition. It doesn't necessarily go to the very front of the line, uh, but we essentially sent a signal uh, that this would be very important to the state of Maryland. And that's why just a few months ago, I was pleased to join with the, the governor, our new governor, uh, Wes Moore, who's committed to this uh, resuscitation of the red line, um, and with, with Mayor Scott in Baltimore and others. And very importantly, a representative, a federal representative from the United States Department of Transportation who was there uh, as an indication, as a show of solidarity that we want to move, get moving again on the red line. Now, because of the passage of time, um, the original route of the red line um, it will not be identical. Uh, but uh, right now, uh, the governor's team, uh, the Maryland Secretary of Transportation, uh, you know, Baltimore City, uh, everyone's now looking to get it back on track, literally. And um, at the federal level, we're working to make sure that uh, we provide uh, the funds when Maryland decides how it wants to move forward. Gotcha. Thank you. We got to get it moving. I think, Absolutely. I think a lot of, I think a lot of yeah. viewers, listeners from Baltimore region, they really want that. And, you know, I know they're trying to connect from Baltimore County to Baltimore County, possibly Sparrow's Point, the area to Amazon and whatnot. And I think that's very important to get people east and west Baltimore. So thank you for answering that question for us. Of course. Um, COVID relief. I know you helped out a lot with that money, with the money for the state of Maryland. Tell people a little bit behind the scenes of what you did behind the scenes to get the money to our, our partners in all the counties in Maryland. Well, COVID relief, and th thank God we're here, all of us uh, not having to um, wear our masks and, and be together. Uh, but I think we all remember very well uh, those days and everything just locked up. Uh, and so it was really important that the federal government provided emergency relief uh, to, keep, to keep the country running, uh, really. Uh, and so the relief we provided at the federal level, and I worked very hard as a member of the Appropriations Committee in the Senate, uh, to get these funds going, included everything from what we call the Paycheck uh, Protection Program for small businesses, so small businesses could survive and importantly keep paying their employees. Um, the restaurant, uh, restaurant bill to keep you know, restaurants, uh, uh, you know, at least preventing most of them from going under, um, and that was a big challenge. But also school systems, transit systems. I mean, think of Baltimore City Transit. Think of in the Washington area, WMATA. Nobody was riding transit systems. 
they would have all gone under, um, but for the fact that we provided that emergency help to get us through that period. And the federal government really was the only government entity with the capacity to do that. Uh, so a lot of people, um, you know, argued at the time we should not, you know, we should not do what we did, but I'm really glad we did uh, because it did help uh, families get through that very, in, that very tough period. It helped households, it helped businesses. Um, and now, you know, the, the economy is doing well, very low unemployment right now. The state of Maryland is down to, you know, 50-year lows, same nationally. Um, we are beginning to tame inflation, which was a big issue, but inflation is coming down. And I think those investments we made, the emergency investments that helped tide people over were, were critical. Otherwise, we'd, been a, we'd be in a very deep hole. So yes, there was a lot of behind the scenes maneuvering. Um, I'm, I'm glad we got it done. Some of it we got done on a bipartisan basis. For a couple years, we had a lot of bipartisan support for that. Uh, the most recent bill, which was called the American Rescue Plan, uh, which we passed just a few months after President Biden came to office. Um, that, was, that was Democrats only. We wanted to get Republican support for that, but we didn't. Uh, but nevertheless, we passed it. Uh, and so I'm glad we did. So we provided the emergency relief, and now we've been working on these other measures, like the infrastructure bill, mm -hmm. uh, like the, what we call the chips and science bill, to bring back more American manufacturing in high-tech areas. Uh, to pass the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, big investments in clean energy. Uh, so uh, there's a lot of good going on. Uh, we just need to keep it going. Thank you, thank you. So this is a controversial question. You and I have talked about this a little bit. A lot of my listeners, they want term limits for senators because a lot of them feel like they're there too long. They've, and I, I, we, we need to tell your answer, but go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> well, no, look, term limits are, are a hotly debated issue. Uh, you know, my view has been let the voters decide. I mean, uh, voters get to go to the ballot box. We need to make sure that we have, you know, easy access to the ballot box. We need to make sure that those states that are trying to put up barriers to people voting uh, can't get away with it. So we need to make it, you know, easy for people to vote. Um, but my view is that they should cast the decision. So if you're an opponent of somebody who's been um, in the House or Senate or mayor or whatever it may be, you should make your argument as to why you, they should be replaced. Um, and, you know, whoever's in, been an incumbent should say, well, here's what I've been doing and, you know, I've been trying to do my best, whatever it may be. So I, I guess my bottom line is you shouldn't have an artificial um, time, time out, time limit. That's not to say that, uh, and I'm not thinking of any particular person, uh, <laughs> that's not to say that, you know, uh, I, let me just put it this way, speaking there's for some, myself. There's some people need to go. Speaking for myself, I don't, in, I don't you know, I hope, God, God may, may I live to 100. But I tell you, if I'm 100, I will not be in the United States no, we're, anymore. Listen, <laughs> listen, listen, we're not going to wheel you out. <laughs> so we're not going to name names, but that's just, it's just to no. the point where, where Americans are tired of it. They're, they're tired of looking at that, and it's like, why are they there? Like, come on. Like, and uh, power is a nasty drug. And, and that's what I've seen through Congress and Senate. It's just a nasty drug. And I, people just don't want to give it up. Yeah, I, look, I, I, don't, I don't think uh, people should run just because they've been there. That's not a reason to run. I think people need to get up every morning and be excited about what they're doing. Um, and when that's no longer true, they should, they should hang it up. Um, and and I, as, as I said, I mean, there are, there are people who uh, do stay um, a very long time, <laughs> and I don't intend to be one of them. <laughs> um, going forward, just on some things, do you think the Constitution is outdated right now? Do you think we should revise it? 
seem to be revised? Well, I think I, I do support um, an amendment to the Constitution on the question of this unlimited amount of money that can be spent uh, in elections. I think that that is undemocratic, small d. So uh, you may all remember the Citizens United case um, from a number of years back. It was a terrible decision. It was a five to four decision. And what the Supreme Court decided in that case uh, was that corporations um, and entities that are called 501c4s can spend an unlimited amount of money uh, trying to elect or defeat a, a candidate, and that it was their constitutional right uh, to do so. Um, they equated speech entirely with dollars, and you know my, my view is that uh, that was an incorrect <laughs> reading of the Constitution of the United States, but that has been their ruling. So we only have two ways to reverse it. One is you'd have to have a future Supreme Court overturn uh, <laughs> Citizens United. Um, that's not gonna happen with this Supreme no, Court. Not gonna happen with that. Um, the alternative is a constitutional amendment, which is also a very laborious process, but I am, I am uh, a sponsor of legislation uh, to make that a constitutional amendment. I will say one other thing, Aaron, on terms of the Constitution. Um, and, and the filibuster in the Senate. Right. Um, the filibuster is not in the Constitution. So the filibuster is this provision um, that allows senators to talk and talk and talk. And I'm for allowing people to debate at length. I want to be clear about that. But in the Senate, in order to stop people from talking and talking and talking, you don't need 51 out of 100 votes, which would be a majority. You need 60 out of 100 votes. And so my colleagues can literally not even show up. And if we can't put 60 votes on the board, then the folks who are opposing whatever it may be, like the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, mm. like the George Floyd Justice Policing Act, whoever's opposing it, they don't even have to show up and debate. We need to put 60 out of 100 votes on the board, a supermajority. That is not mm. a provision in the Constitution. And it's anti-democratic, small d, and we should get rid of it. And I raise it in the context of the Constitution because the Constitution already has a provision that creates a undemocratic tilt in the United States Senate. Um, and the reason I say that is that the state of Wyoming, with about 500,000 people, has two senators in the United States Senate. The state of California, with tens of millions of people, has two senators in the United States Senate. So if you think about it, the voting power per person of that Wyoming senator is already disproportionate to the voting power per person of the Senate, the senator from California. So less populated states already have disproportionate power in the Constitution. My view is this supermajority requirement on the filibuster compounds that already undemocratic tilt. And so we need to get rid of this supermajority filibuster requirement. Um, it is blocking the will of the American people in all sorts of areas, including most recently in our ability to pass uh, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act. Um, and uh, you know, we can get into this in a little more detail. Let me, let me make this other point. There are ways around the 60-vote uh, the requirement for certain kinds of legislation. So if you can connect something to the budget, then you can use this process called reconciliation where you only need 51 votes to pass something. So when it comes to passing tax cuts, you cannot use that 60 vote blocking mechanism. 
when it comes to some things that I support, like the Affordable Care Act, you can also, and we did, use reconciliation. Mm -hmm. But it makes no sense to have a certain category of legislation where you can pass it with 51 votes in the Senate and then have other legislation like protecting voting rights and not be able to use that because it's not connected to the budget, right? So it is a crazy uh, provision that we've got in the Senate rules. They were put there by senators. They should be gotten rid of by senators, by a vote, and we should vote to do that. All right, so that, we get a little bit lighter. We're gonna get a little bit lighter uh, so now. You know, I know, I, we right. go all day. When I say blue catfish to you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was telling Aaron, so uh, Senator Cardin and I just came from a hearing uh, in, in Berlin, the town of Berlin here on the Eastern Shore. So uh, one of the big issues in, in Maryland right now um, is blue catfish. So it's an invasive species. Our, our, our friends to the south in Virginia, somebody introduced these years ago. Um, here's the thing about blue catfish. They love to eat crabs, baby crab. And so they're like decimating the Maryland, uh, the Chesapeake blue crab. And so we got to catch a lot more blue catfish and we need to eat a lot more blue catfish. Um, and actually this has gotten to be quite a legislative battle because there are folks from the state of Mississippi and Louisiana where they have farmed catfish that are trying to make it more difficult uh, for others to sell uh, and devout and eat, eat catfish. Anyway, uh, I, I was telling Aaron, I know now a lot about catfish. And a long time ago when I was in college, for two summers, I had a roommate in college from um, the state of Washington, Bellingham, Washington. And so to make money in the summers, we went up to Alaska. And I worked on what was called the, um, the slime line. I worked in a fish processing plant where they would bring in the salmon and you know, the salmon would there and you slit them, you then the next per it's a conveyor belt. First person slips them, guts them. So I was thinking during this hearing about my days on the slime line <laughs> uh, in Alaska. I did work my way up to first the ice man where you ice it, and then I graded salmon. If you want to know about salmon, red salmon, silver salmon, <laughs> dog salmon, uh, dogfish, anyway, um, and then forklift driver. So I got off the slime line. But all those memories were coming back a little bit hey, earlier but you today. You know what? When you next time you come to Baltimore, got to have some of your staff to get you some fish and grits, some catfish and grits. That's what we got to get you. Catfish and grits. Got to. Well, my no. man in the South, you know what I'm talking about from Alabama. You know what I'm talking about. But I just Southern. want you to know, and this is the point we're making, Maryland blue catfish are a lot better than those Southern catfish. <laughs> these, these are wild swim catfish. And in the South, you got a lot of farm catfish. <laughs> So you didn't know you'd be treated to a special <laughs> seminar on catfish, but uh, that's. The... Um, you know, what do you look forward to when you come to Mako when you when you come to this conference? You know, you look around this room. I see a lot of uh, folks I've worked with for a long period of time that you don't see um, every day. And what Mako does is it brings people together, who you know can are forming partnerships. Um, the focus, of course, is on the local county governments, right? Maryland Association of Counties. But a lot of us come down here, whether we're the federal level, the state level, the county level, or the municipal level, because we learn from each other. Um, we share stories, um, and you know, we learn what works in, in one place, like Baltimore City, um, and you can take that idea to other parts of the state of Maryland. So uh, it's a little bit of that, and it's also just a good time uh, to see a lot of people 
who, at least during the COVID, you didn't see or you saw only on the other end of the Zoom. So I, I enjoy coming down to Mako. I don't mean to make it every year. They also have a great crab fest at the end of it. Yeah, are you going to be here for the crab feast or not? Uh, I, I'm not sure I'm going to make it this year, uh, but I but I, I do love my Maryland crabs. All right, so you, you, let, you let into the last question. That was, that was a good one. Hmm? That was like how you let, in, let into my last question. Oh, I did? He did. Okay. All right. So quick, we do a quick speed round then on the show, and it's uh, it's a fun kind of getting a little, little bit of your personality. All right, so we're gonna start with chicken wings. I mean, I'm a chicken wing guy. Flats or drums? Flats. All right, we we are now. You good on? We is are, that you? We are, we are, we are I now. haven't. I, I'm I didn't know you're, I, mean, I, did, I didn't get any inside information on that. Good, I really okay, didn't. Okay. Okay. Honey, honey. What old, do you dip it? Huh? Honey Bay or regular barbecue sauce? On my on my when wings. wings yeah. Honey Bay. Flavor or barbecue uh, sauce? blue cheese? No, no, but, no, but, but the flavor though, flavor though. Oh, if, it, if it's a buffalo, buffalo flavor or a honey old bay? Uh, I would take honey. Okay, honey old bay. So then blue cheese or ranch? Blue cheese. All right, you're good with me because I don't like ranch. Ranch is like for french fries, that's it. Huh? Yeah, well, ranch depends <laughs> on what it's on, but not on wings. Yeah. So I'm glad we're on the same page. There we Flat, go. Flats and blue cheese. Snowballs or ice cream? This is controversial. You know, no, no, I look, look. <laughs> my, my my dad's from Baltimore City. Grew up in Baltimore City, so Charm City. I'm on snowballs. I got it. Ed Custard. You no, know, but oh, I can tell you who okay. wants, who likes my my deputy chief of staff, See? Terry. She loves the Ed Custard <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I like that. Crabs or crab cakes? You know, uh, crabs are great, but you they take a lot of work pounding that hammer. So I'll go for crab cakes. Okay, all right, so I'll let you slide on that. You I like, like crab yeah. because this world we live in, everybody's on our cell phone. And you and I know you're not gonna pick up your obey <laughs> touching your cell phone and sting your eye. So I kinda want that community of talking again. I like the conversation. Crabs and beers, the conversation. Crab cake, you can be your phone eating and not even paying attention. But with the crabs, you're sitting there having that conversation. That's what we're missing. Well, just give me my, I'll take care of that. Give me your phone. <laughs> <laughs> but if you come to Baltimore, and this is a shameless plug, I live in Northeast Baltimore, you gotta come to Coco's, the best crab cake in Baltimore City. I'm All right, Coco's, real, okay. Gonna, and I will leave my phone at the desk, so that, uh, <laughs> even if I get it. crab cakes. Let's do it next time you come in town. We'll do it. Spring or summer, what's your favorite season? Spring or summer? Yeah. I'll take spring over summer, especially these days. I mean, it's this hot. is getting so, so hot. But uh, look, I love the seasons. That's why I like Maryland. But, you know, I'm not going to do the politicians thing and say I like all four seasons. So I'll take spring. And then the last <laughs> last question, if you could see any two bands in the world, dead or alive, group, you could see them, who would you see? Music, uh, you're a musician. Yeah, okay. Well, I would see, I'm a huge Rolling Stones uh, fan, so I would see... Rolling Stones. Um, can you dead or alive? Dead or alive. See, I went. I went the Voodoo Lounge tour actually. Okay. With my dad. Can so I bring I back Prince? Oh, now, now we're talking now. Now okay. we're talking. Okay. All right. All right. So, but uh, <laughs> look, I I I love all sorts of music. You know, that's the problem. I get my uh, you know, I, I listen to my my earphones, my earbuds, whatever you call them, and uh, so I just do a lot of. Uh, flipping to different channels, but so, but I, I would. Uh, those are those are two great bands. I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Look, I, I like all sorts of uh, music. So and make sure we add on your playlist. No picture of dark podcast while you're working out. So let's make sure we add that to the playlist. I will. Okay. Make sure we add we will, that. We will do that. So we will Spotify, do that. We can get the other thing. But thank you again so much for your time. It's been an honor to speak with you and just sit down and chat. Just have a really interesting, honest, conversation. This goes way too fast. It,
does. Okay. But we'll work All on right, doing that. I want also a shout out to Mako Kevin over there. He's the one who came with the ideas to 